Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome along to the Wise Men Say podcast. We are back now in the swing of things. A new season is upon us and we have a Sunderland game to talk about because it's Monday and that's where it's going to be. We're going to continue Monday, Thursday, maybe Wednesday and then a reaction pod as always. Good to be back, especially because we started with a win. So lots to get stuck in now in terms of reviewing the game. I'm Stephen Goldsmith, joined as always by Gareth Barker. Oh. Hi. Happy. Yeah, it was good, <laughs> wasn't it? Nice it was to go, good. Nice was. to go back and some sort of normal thing. Um, yeah, nothing normal about Sunderland winning the first game of the season. No, no. Maybe that, that's the, maybe the strangeness of the last 18 months is going to be absorbed into Sunderland and we're going to do something unusual like actually get promoted. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, well... Mm. We'll, we'll get into that. Lots to talk about. There's a Portville game as well, uh, which we might show a little bit uh, attention to. Uh, to help myself and Gareth do that is Phil Smith from the Sunderland Echo. Evening, Phil. Evening, lads. Good to be back. It is indeed. How many times has Sunderland won the first game? It's kind of thing you, you, I would imagine you know, or do you not? I was just totally, totally put you on the spot there. I just totally start the season by throwing me under the bus. <laughs> I can't remember, other than the Charlton one, I can't remember one for a long, long time. Did, mm. you, did you beat Bolton on an opening? Oh, yeah, that was Steve Bruce's first transfer window when he cut them all and bent and everybody played. Yeah. So that was sort of like 2009? Yeah. I was thinking about this earlier. Like, I haven't checked StatCat or anything, but I think um, Bolton was the one that came to my mind because he assembled quite a good team, didn't he, in that summer? And uh, yeah, I can't remember us winning another one apart from Charlton, like you say. I might have to check while we're talking just to see if that is indeed the case. But nice way to start the season, isn't it? And, and uh, how important do you think that was, Phil? Because um, lots of lots of questions about about recruitment and stuff. And I think we've all acknowledged the the starting eleven looked all right. So it was important that the the sort of put people at ease. I think. Yeah, I think so, and I think that obviously it doesn't change the the very obvious work that still needs to be done between now and the transfer window, you know, it hasn't like solved it, has it? It doesn't mean that, you know, you can have these players playing out of position for 46 games. But I think it, what it did show and where I think, you know, the coaching staff deserve a lot of credit is that it shows that, you know, they have clearly implemented a certain style, a certain way of playing through the pre-season programme. And I think those combinations and those ideas that we'd seen in pre-season had been encouraged by, I think we're there on the opening day. So, you know, little things like that combination between Embleton and Stewart, which has looked really encouraging over the last few weeks. You know, they were both excellent again. Um, I thought they played some really good stuff. I thought they looked much more of a unit than Wigan did. You know, especially as the game went on, Wigan did look like a bunch of strangers who'd, you know, just been thrown together over the summer. And I thought some were really cohesive and, and that style of play that we've been kind of told for six, seven months is going to improve and get better. I think we're starting to see that now. So, you know, in no way detracts from the work ahead, but I think it just showed that, you know, there is a plan here in terms of how they want to play. Um, and and I really enjoyed it. I thought they played some really good stuff at times. Impacts the crowd that as well, doesn't it? Because, uh, you know, often you hear people say, well, it doesn't matter what style of football you get uh, as long as you're winning games. And I don't think that's true. I think... Um, a crowd is much more likely to stay with the team when they go a goal down 
if they feel like that team is the kind of team who gets in people's faces, closes people down, try to move things, try to move the ball quickly, that kind of thing. I think um, you're going to get you're going to buy more patience from the crowd, aren't you? And I mean, we didn't have to wait long to the equaliser, but I think it feeds into each other. Do you think those two things? Um, I mean, it was the first twenty minutes weren't great from our perspective, or fifteen minutes. Um, you know, they, they basically their plan was attack Dan Neil, wasn't it? Really, that that's basically all they did. Um, and as you would, and yeah, I mean, you know, that's it. Yeah, you would. Um, that we would do the same thing if we'd like to think we'd do the same thing. It's like try and exploit that, and you know, they got in numerous times down that side, and it was a you know a bit all hands to the pump at times trying to get rid of those second balls that were bouncing around the box and eventually they got one that they stuck away so kind of at that point it was like well these are miles better than us and it was a little bit alarming but it was massively important we got that equaliser straight away Um, and then from there we just grew into the game and second half it was barely a contest really Um, we just dominated them and you know, like you're saying about the crowds, I think, like you say, we could we could see you could see what we're trying to do, and it, it is promising to think. Should we get, you know, four or five bodies in this month to strengthen? You know that that's that's positive, really positive, because we've won that game with, you know, a lad making his full league debut. I believe it is his full league debut, or at least his second game. Um, out of position, a right-footed, you know, centre midfielder playing at left back, um, and he against a good that Lang is it Callum Lang is it was it for them on the right, um, you know he had a good I think he had a good season last year like you sort of caught a few eyes and he he was really good for them I thought um, as the game went on, he seemed to just grow in self belief and you know it was like yeah it was. Good to watch a player going, yeah, he's young, but he does look like he's capable of competing at this level. And it made you think if he was deployed in his correct position of certain midfield, um, what he'd bring there. And I mean, I'm sure we'll get to talk on about Lugo 9 and the comments from Johnson on O9's sort of position in the team later. Was there an argument to say that? you know, be better served with, you know, while we're in this situation is putting Neil into midfield and all nine to fullback. Um, well, you brought up now, Gareth, I might as well go straight on. You've segued into it. So yeah. um, I think, you know, yeah, and we were going to talk about this and I was going to bring this up um, in that it is interesting, Phil, isn't it? That the, the comments on nine and we've all speculated that he's been told in some way or given some sort of, guarantee that he's going to get a, a run in midfield and, and whether that directly fed into him signing a new contract or not um, is interesting but he's 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 decided not to go from a fullback at the moment and as Gareth said he, he it's quite ironic that a lot of us were asking him to play midfield last year and at the minute he seems like the safer choice to go fullback but it's not happening at the moment do you think he justified that decision where are your where are your thoughts with that whole situation well I think that to be honest, I was I, w- I was really pleased that even though it was a gamble that you stuck with Neil, um, because I thought that Neil did really really well and grew into the game games he played there in pre season the same way he did on Saturday. It was a good show of faith. To be honest, from what I've seen in terms of the through pre season on Saturday, I don't think there's a huge amount of difference between O nine and Winchester in that right back position. I think Winchester's looked perfectly capable as O nine did, and I just think that. You know, with 9 he he wants to give him a chance to prove himself in that role, and he and he wants to give him a proper run so he can settle into it. And to be fair, I think that partnership with Corey Evans looks like quite a good one. And I think that clearly the hope will be that you know if you get those fullbacks in um, before the end of the window, then hopefully you'll have then had time for 9 to have started building that partnership with Evans in midfield. And at that point, you don't need to worry about shifting them around again. And hopefully, you can then build some momentum from there. So. Personally, I don't really have a, a, an issue with it. I think that while you accept that Neil is, you know, going to be have some defensive issues, I think he does bring you an awful lot in the way he steps up and joins in with Doyle and McGeady down that flank. 
And you can see that from the penalty, which I thought was brilliant because obviously Neil's been beaten, you know, 90 seconds before in the build-up to the goal, but he's got the bravery to go in there and make that challenge again. And it leads to a really good interception and a goal. So I think he's a really impressive young lad. And I think that in the long run, he will benefit from this. And yeah, I don't really have a huge amount of problem with it. I think that within games, you might need to show that flexibility. Um, And I think he's kind of alluded that he might do that. But I think he's trying to almost break that pattern you like if you like of just moving all nine about and and I don't really have any issue with that and I was pleased he stuck with Neil because I thought he deserved it and I think he showed what a what a talented footballer he is yeah I, I don't think I do really I mean I, I'll be a hypocrite I think if I said I did because last season I said he just needs a run of games whether whether he you know is guaranteed that once we do get left back in and um, Dan Neil starts to pressurise him I would guess for that for that other spot in midfield because you would have thought that would have been the two who will be vying yeah. for the same spot in midfield, wouldn't you? Um, O'Neill, I know it, it seems it seems commonplace to polarise opinions on O'Neill, like to either they like uh, O'Neill or nine. Sorry, um, to uh, I was merging the two. Merge the two players. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, it seems to be that like people either really dislike him or people really go over the top. You know, to, to sort of you know. Do you think in. people really Did, dislike him? I, I haven't. I, I haven't, I, I haven't I, well, seen this. I haven't I go, seen this really dislike I, you know, him at all. Uh, well, uh, you know, whatever. But uh, I, I, well, we... I, I was just going to say, I go games. I think I just think he was okay. I, I don't think he, yeah. I don't think he was great at all. But I don't think he was poor either. Maybe he was just okay. I think yeah. he personally needs up. His, I, I would suggest he needs to up his game if if he wants to keep his place. If if Dan Nails ain't going to come into a midfield contention, yeah. personally. I think I think it's a, there's an interesting. I mean, there's a few things at the moment that are quite interesting. I think off the pitch in terms of like, it's almost like. The way fo- football support's got gone, and like it's almost like Scientology. It's like basically you've got to be, you've got to th- whatever the if people think things are bad, then you've got to like be really negative. Or and if anybody who says anything positive about anything, you get like slapped down. But then if you're not too, things seem to be, you, the narrative at the moment is, well, everyone's got to be really positive about everything that's happening at the club because we've been taken over and, you know, there's this new sporting director in and we've got this new plan and all this. So everything that happens is actually better than anything that's ever happened before. Um, and all the players who are playing are the best players and, you know, saw some, you know, garbage, like, you know, seen some twaddle riddle written, but like to say that if you don't think Lugo 9 is good then you don't know anything about football or something i mean what kind of what kind of level of debate is that where you can't like have why does everything have to be so polarized why can't you have a conversation about a player and go i actually tried to think lugo and i do well in midfield for us but i didn't think he had that good of a game on saturday it's like why is that not a why is that not a possible thing to have a discussion about like we're not 12 like you know people need to grow up and just understand that sometimes in football when you watch it people are gonna have different opinions on players Pointless well, like, doing this, this I, kind I think, of stuff. I think, otherwise, I think, I think just like I just think like like declaring something like that about Luke O'Neill is like just a very very strange hill to die on. Where you're like, well, it's like I'm not being funny, mate, but he's never played above League One. He's like a, a decent player, and he's been a decent player for us. It's not like he's like Yan V or something like that. Do you know what I mean? It's like you just need to see it calm down. And like I think like. You know, allow allow people the opportunity to have a discussion in a bit about certain people without like getting sort of like almost like well passive aggressive or you know like like argumentative about it. But mm. I think that the interesting thing, the other hand, and the narrative around all nine, and obviously he's a very popular player with large most of the support for obvious reasons um, because he's you know he's wholehearted and you know he's playing out of position and he'll always do do a job for you and there are always great things about Lugo 9 um, but it's it's an interesting one isn't it where if it was a player who was not so much liked and he was playing in midfield and he had the game yell on Saturday and it wasn't Lugo 9 and the manager came out and said, well, we retained him on a contract and kind of one of the stipulations was that we wouldn't move him to fullback. And then we moved Lyndon Gooch to fullback, who was arguably the best player on the pitch. Um, I'm just kind of thinking from a team perspective, are we saying that we're sacrificing the input that Gooch has? I know it was only for the end of the game, but it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Winchester's injury. Are we saying that 
we're going to sacrifice Lyndon Gooch's influence in the forward areas to accommodate Luke O'Nine in midfield. Like for me, that seems like a a bad decision. I like, think he was just sort of being clear and as if to say, without directly saying it, like yes, we've we've, we've told him he can he deserves a run of the game. Yeah, but when we're talking about when we're talking about what's best for the team, is that best? Is that best for the team? If we start the next game, I'm not saying we will, but if we start the next league game with Lyndon Gooch at right back because we have to, and Luke O'Neill in central midfield, is that the best? Is that the best thing for that team based on what we saw on Saturday? I'm not saying that's definitely going to happen, by the way, but it did happen on Saturday. I know it's a slightly different situation, but it's interesting. We'll see what happens and hopefully Winchester's all right. Um, or we get a right back in before the weekend. But it's, I'm, I'm interested to hear what your thoughts are on, on that kind of thing. And yeah, we want Lugo Knight to have a go in midfield, but at the same time, it shouldn't be the, to the detriment of the overall balance of the team, regardless of what you said to him when he signed that contract. He's getting paid, probably when well, he got a pay rise to come play for Sunderland. So, you know. Well, I think that the just to, to come in on that, what I would say is that one of the things that Johnson's been really, really clear about is that there will be times in the season where he does drop him in to full back or wherever, because what he said to Luke was, we want to give you a run of games in midfield, but the reason why we're willing to give you you know, a, a pay rise on what you're earning now is because it means that I can take one less member in my squad because I know I've got you who can fill in a number of positions. That means I don't have to sign someone else, which means I'm more than happy to, to reward you, you know, with a greater pay. I do genuinely think that it was more of a tactical decision on Saturday and we can debate the the rights or wrongs of that, but I think you wanted to do a nine in the middle of the pitch for the for the final section of that game, which was so I think that was more his his thinking. Um and I just think I know it's like the most obvious point of all time, but I'll make it anyway. Solutions to sign a right back, isn't it? Like that's Yeah, the, oh yeah, absolutely. You know absolutely. I mean? From Johnson's perspective, he's drawn up his plans, if you like, and O nine is a number eight and he wants somebody else to play a right back. So um, I do think this might be a fairly um, short-term debate, if that makes sense, because I think that the hope so. Was, well, yeah, <laughs> and that's the, you know that's the solution. But I don't. I think just to, it's. I don't really don't think it's a case of there's no. I'm never going to drop him into defence now. Okay. It's settled. I, I, I don't think that's because, like I say, they were, you know, one of the conditions of Luke getting the contract that he wanted, and to be fair, when we had championship interest, so he was entitled to ask for it, and um, was that they basically said, look, this means we don't have to sign another player. Um, so you know you may have to do that at some point. I do think Saturday was was more of a tactical thing. Hmm. What do you think? Where where were you with his performance, Phil? Like you know, was he just all right? I thought I thought he was I think he was okay, but I, I I you know wasn't wasn't great either. I thought he, I thought he was decent. I thought he was uh, combative. I thought like a lot of players he grew into it. I thought he was better in the second half, much better um, second half. But I think you know I think it's almost like. You know, you met you mentioned there about debates about certain things, and it's just too soon to to make a judgment. Do you know what I mean? Uh, Sunderland have made a um, a decision that they think he can be a really good number eight. Um, I agree with that. I think he can be, um, and we just haven't seen enough yet to kind of make yeah. that judgment. And you know, after a certain number of games, we can start to discuss what well, could we get more if we played Daniel in there, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but I just don't think we're at that stage. I thought he was I, personally. I thought he was very good against Hull. I thought he had a really good game. Um, and I think it's a role he can play, but you know, I think I do like the idea of that trio of Evans, O'Nine, and Ambleton. I think I've seen some good signs from those three in terms of the blend, and um, which is probably not something we've had, I think, in centre midfield the last couple of years. So, um, yeah, we, we shall see. I think it's too too early to kind of make a definitive judgment either way. Hmm. Be interesting, be interesting, because people thought he was going to play midfield, and I think you know a lot of the arguments, uh, the cases put forward for him to do that was. Because we see him getting the box um, from fullback, and the idea was he did that for Wickham in midfield, and he can do that for us now. Whether he was instructed not to, because you're playing with a more natural number ten ahead of him now, it'd be it'd just be interesting to see how he develops there. I think, I think he's, that, got, he's got competition, hasn't he? What you got to remember as well, I think, with all nine is is, is that he's obviously missed a, a chunk of preseason as well, um, and he's had that shoulder bit of a shoulder niggle again, um, so he's only played. A couple of preseason games. You play, I think, was it the whole game and the the um, York games? I can't remember. Um, but yeah, he's only played a couple, so might take a bit. Of time. He is a fit, naturally fit lad, and obviously, you know, everyone always goes on about. He, you know, he's he's mad keen on you know his um, fitness and keeping himself right, which is great. So it shouldn't take him too long to get up to speed. I thought he was just a bit half a yard off it, especially in the first half, where he was letting people get in front of him. 
I think he just shows a bit more composure. But I think Onan would be really, really good centre midfielder for us. Um, I haven't got any doubts about that at all. I just like I thought. Problem is, it's like it just gets a bit frustrating when you know it's, it's almost like you, you know, if you say like I didn't think he had a very good game, it means like you know you like a Judas or something. It's just like you just got. People have got different opinions on players. Just got to calm down and like see how it pans out because they'll be, you know, it's the same like, you know, when we sign players in January or whatever, it's, you know, they're going to be the best signing of the window. And when people don't agree with it, it's like people are again like getting head up about it. And then when they leave and they're not, and they don't return, return people aren't bothered about them and no crap anyway. So just, you know, and people just need to just chill, see what happens. You know, it's, you know, it'll be fine. You know, in the in the end, I'm sure said we know we get a bit of abuse of being negative or whatever, and the, the, about the window or whatever. I think pretty sure you said that, like, you know, I'm gonna said myself that seventy percent sure we'll get it like right by the end of the window. Um, there was just some concern about you know, are we are we leaving ourselves short in that initial sort of five six game period, yeah. which is important. I think that's as a normal concern, but yeah, needs addressing. One one, yeah. one game doesn't sort of yeah. disguise that. And you you still... would you would look at that back five at the start of the game and think, you know, is that a back five that's yeah. going to get you promoted? And then, so I know I know that'll change. You know, we're acknowledging that it'll change, but you it, know, the, these are points to be won now. The positive impact as well of you know Embleton come back in that team like like Phil's highlighted um, and having a you know like I I thought it, I'd like to see a little bit more influence from him on the ball. Um, and maybe getting in between the lines a bit more um, and like turn facing their goal. I'd like to see a bit more of that if he's going to play as a 10. But obviously it's one game. Again, it's one game. Not going to like sort of like decide he's crap or whatever after one game. Um, but just like, because he's obviously he's got sort of that ability and when he scored a really good goal where he did that um, against Harrogate, I think it was, where he got the ball a lot deeper than, you know, you'd probably like him to, but he picked the ball on the halfway line and drove in and scored. You know, he could be doing that for us, but, you know, 25 yards further up the pitch because he's got that in his locker. So I'm looking forward to hopefully as he gets, you know, more ingrained in that team, seeing more of that. Um, you know, it was good to see, like, Evans a lot better than I expected. Like, I didn't, like, the kind of player he was, I was expecting him to be a bit more of a... Crap. Kind of a mobile <laughs> sort of sitter who, like, picks a ball up and just, like, moves it on, where he was, like, a lot more busy, which... Yeah. I think is an improvement on, or a, a different. Sorry, not an improvement. That's the wrong word. Um, different to led say Ledbetter when he did that role, where he was definitely more of a pick the ball up and move it on type of midfielder. Um, at this uh, stage, uh, I think um, it was an upgrade on what we've seen last season. I yeah, definitely uh, initially, but obviously yeah, it's only one, one game. game yeah, so. no, totally. Um, but that, I mean, that, that helped to contribute anyway, Phil. Didn't it? The, you know, the, the spine of the team. You know, the standout players really were the, the were the people who run right. I know Gooch, as an exception, who played out wide. It was arguably man the match, as Gareth said. But you look on top top of that the players I would single out. You know, Doyle, Evans, Embleton, Stewart. You're going right through the middle of the team. And you've always got a chance, haven't you? If that, if that's the case. Yeah, and I actually I didn't think Doyle was at the level he hit in pre-season either, which is really exciting like I've seen him have better all round games mm. um, I think you'll actually see more from him on the ball from what I've seen of him so far um, obviously Wigan kind of um, they they adjusted to try and you know Wyke was getting very close to Doyle and trying to push it out through Flanagan and what have you and these are the kind of tests that you'll have to sort of learn to adapt to um, and I actually think there's an awful lot more to come from him which is exciting because he was excellent really especially in the second half um, but I think that's kind of what I was alluding to before when you asked me about 09 and Dan Neal. And I think that, you know, there have been some really encouraging signs in pre-season, a, a genuine sort of identity and a, a genuine um, patterns of play that we just haven't seen an awful lot since someone came down at this level because the recruitment's been muddled, you know, lots of many different reasons. Um, and, I, and I was pleased that he kind of rewarded those players with a, with a place on Saturday and, and you know, Despite a pretty rocky start, I thought they I thought they delivered. And Evans, Evans was excellent, um, really, really, really good. He was a player initially at the end of the match when I thought, you know, who I would have suggested was man the match. I think just because he, 
it's been a position, wasn't it? I was always interested to say Wigan um, utilised power because, uh, you know, we've seen sort of his influence on Sunderland deteriorate slightly every season since he's come here. And he was always his box-to-box player for um, for Wigan previously and, you know, trying to get forward and breaking the lines and stuff. And I wondered if he would, would just sit and be that player, which he was. And I think Evans is a much better version of that. And, you know, even, even in terms of Ledbitter as well, who had... Had some good influence on the game as well. I think, like Gareth said, I, you know, it looks like there's a lot more um, dynamism in his game, Evans. And it's one game again, yeah. so not getting carried away. But that's so key that we've not had. Uh, I don't feel like we've really had a centre midfielder since we've been down here, who who just sort of gets about and, and stamps his authority yeah. as, as much as he should. One game, so try not get yeah. carried away. That was good, you know. But what we've got to remember is as well. I mean, with Wigan. You know, that was a tough game. You know, they yes, they've they've got a gel, but they've spent a lot of money, you know, on some you know, the board what what more, uh, the keeper, um uh what you called again, sorry, uh, from Charlton, uh, Amos. Yeah. Um uh, Edwards on the left side, they've obviously got retained Lang on that right, and then they, they had Naylor in midfield, um who was at uh, Portsmouth as well, I believe. Um, so you know they've, they've added some, and obviously, obviously, White and Power, you know, seasoned League One players. Jones, yeah, well, well, um, he, he certainly is a, a player. Um, I wouldn't say he was seasoned in any sort of capacity, but yeah, it's a match um, on his he, day. Well, it was, his days once every three months. That's probably why he's ended up, you know. Where he is, but so to tell you what, he's done well to get a three year contract, in my opinion. You know, because he'll have what six months of good performances in that three years, won't he? Um, so, uh, yeah, I think you know, but they have signed, yeah, a, a crop of players there who, you know, it's going to be a tough game. You know, you're going to get to have a tough game, and they'll probably be better as the season goes on, obviously. Um, so that's a re- it's a really good result to win that game, especially when you've got, you know, a child at fullback. Um, I mean, like Phil's probably right about Doyle, but at the same time, he, I mean, he pings some passes over, like on, on to the to Gooch in that first half, and it was like Jesus. I mean, what kind of ball is that? You know, for like, I mean, it, it's absolutely baffling. Like, seventeen years old, I don't understand. So are, go, are we going? Pod. Are we going for Varga against Arsenal? Or, or I wouldn't say it was that. Not quite. Not quite. I wouldn't, that I wouldn't put it up there. But no, that was, it was. That, that's one for people of a certain age, yeah. isn't it? Well, I, I, I got Varga on the back of my shirt after that game. You <laughs> <laughs> <was> sensational <laughs> debut that wasn't it? Hard to be quite there with Doyle. So I don't think he quite hit that level. Hard um, to top that one. Yeah, Varga put in two of the like greatest performances I've ever seen by a Sunderland player. I think. Actually, I didn't see the Arsenal game because I was ill and I couldn't go to the game. Um, but I'm sorry, the other one was the when we played Man United and went, we got um, Ray and Mickey Gray sent off. Um, and they had... Um, Andy, Cole, Andy Cole Andy got Cole, sent Cole, off. Yeah, and it yeah. was like 9v10. And Varga was just like, right, I'm going to like just play everywhere. And he was just like amazing. Like It was one of the best performances I've ever seen by like a Sunderland player. It was phenomenal. Um, similar a bit like when remember when um, Lorixana went like, against Liverpool and was just like an absolute like behemoth in that game we won 1-0 and he was just like unbelievable it was sort of a similar one to that but yeah we've obviously digressed into that but yeah he wasn't at that he wasn't at that level but you can see this I mean he's just one of them obviously where he's a bit fortunate in that at 17 he's got that build um, and you know that he's obviously got the physical capabilities to compete, and the footballing ability comes with it. And you know he's he's going to be he's sent here to make mistakes. People have got to remember that as well. That's why he's come here, making mistakes here. So he will make mistakes, but will he, you know, I'm sure by the end of the season we'll be going on the look of him. Wow, what a what a player he is, and. Can we get him back next year? So that'll very, be, the, very, that'll very, be the chat. You know, I mentioned Varga there, but it's very Johnny Evans on loan, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, it feels more like that one, doesn't it? Because yeah. he came and he was the first time he came, 18 year old, I think, from my year with a reputation and people were sort of questioning it, weren't there? And he uh, 
he was a Rolls Royce of a centre half, yeah, even at that age, wasn't he? Player, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, he looks like he's got everything, and he's obviously at the right club to to be to become something as well at Man City. Um, so you know, let's hope yeah. in. Yeah, they do know. all right at Man City. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, and I thought like you know, obviously we've talked about a lot of the players who had positive performances, but. Stuart, I mean, I thought he was absolutely brilliant. Like his his play, his general play as a centre forward was outstanding. Like if he, it was like one of them where if he'd been playing against you, he had one of those games, you'd be going, "He's good." Yeah. You're like you know, if you were the opposition fans or whatever, and some of his first touches were ab- above this level. Like and then you know and the, the amount of if you, you know oh I, I'm going to do something sorry Stephen if you think compare it to last year and the forward we had up front and the balls I go up to him and the amount of duels that he lost generally wasn't really his game Stewart when the ball went up to him every time you thought he's going to if he doesn't get the ball fine but he's going to compete and you know he's he's going to give them a game and he didn't really give give away a lot of fouls did he. Um, which was a problem when he played last year. He was a bit sort of erratic and was sort of giving daft fouls away where he didn't really do that at the weekend. And he just looks a bit like a player who's been told, right, you're filling, you're you're the man up front now. Like we've had somebody who scored 25 goals last year in the league. You know, we need something, we need something from you. And you've got your chance. He's probably been sitting there last year going, I'm never going to get a chance up through the middle either because th- this lad's scoring every week and now he's got his chance. He looks like, I mean, he's unlucky in terms of the goal returning pre-season for his general play. But I just thought like, it was, a, he was really enjoy. I thought I really enjoyed, like, like watching like a big sort of striker um, anyway, but I thought like, I really enjoyed watching him. It was like a real sort of pleasure to watch. It was like a modern sort of centre forwards performance, I thought like, Back in the day, it was a bit more old-fashioned, wasn't it? Where it was a bit more within the width of the box and like battling the centre-halves and winning flick-ons and headers for your strike partner. This was more like running the channels, coming short to get the ball to feet, to bring other people in, all that kind of stuff. That one where he brought the ball out the air under pressure, turned and like played Gucci in down the right-hand side. It was sort of like you'd, that's like high quality football like high quality centre forward player so yeah well well done to him because I know he obviously he's had a rightly like a bit of people going well, what's this lad about you know what's he where's he come from and not not really sort of the kind of player ex, you expect us to bring in um, but he looks like he's he's got a hell of a lot about him maybe it's the Adam's apple that's the power Oh, yeah, that's it's that the one. power. Have you not noticed that? No. Yeah. Yeah. You're yourself to Twitter, so you're missing all It's the power. It's the source of all of his power. What was it? Someone uh, was calling him the Loch, the Loch Ness Drobber, which was quite quite good, wasn't that? It's quite good, isn't it? He, he, yeah, he's, I mean, you know, it's probably really adding to what you've said there. High praise indeed. I've, gone, I've it's, just it's, gone on, haven't I? It's Sorry. hard. No, it's a, but, you know, I think, you know, to summarise him, he's... He's got strength because of his size, um, but he's importantly for a centre forward. He's got good movement. He's got a good touch. <laughs> That's half the battle as a centre forward. Uh, he needs some help though, Phil, doesn't he? We need some backup uh, in that position. Um, which we, we, we'll, we'll talk about that actually. Um, we'll have a little break and we'll come back and you know talk about the Port Vale game and talk about what we still think uh, Sunderland need to do in the window. So we'll do that next. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. The Wise Men Say podcast is brought to you in association with From the Terrace. Cargo shorts. For a 10% discount, enter the code WMS10 at the checkout stage. Or bucket hats. While you do that, check out the From the Terraces podcast, presented by Rory Fallow and Matthew Keeling. T-shirts. For more information, search for From the Terraces on social media. Okay, welcome back to the Wise Men's podcast. We're going to just carry on from where we left off there, just talk about what Sunderland still need to do uh, in terms of recruitment and uh, what they might do tomorrow night against Port Vale, uh, which is a League Cup game, isn't it? Because I thought, I thought it was a Pizza Cup thing, but it's actually a League Cup game, isn't no, it? It's so, League Cup, yeah. Right, Kenny. Don't know when the last time we won a game the League Cup was. We seem to lose in the first round, don't we? Every year. Yeah, oh, we had a little run under Jack Ross, didn't we? Did uh, we? Oh yes, we won at Sheffield United, didn't we? And um, and um, Burnley. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, it was up both those games actually. So, oh well. Uh, right. Okay. So uh, pick you up on pick up with um, the Ross Stewart situation, Phil. Um, uh, looks good, but you know. He was never signed as a replacement for Charlie Wake when he came in January, so he can't be the only person in that position now, can he? No. I mean, he was signed as a potential part replacement for Charlie Wake in the long run, to be fair. But yeah, um, it's certainly... Uh, they need someone similar, don't they? Because Aidan O'Brien is more of an option, I think, not quite as a number 10, but he's a, he's a second striker, isn't he? Um, and I think he's actually... Um, got some good attributes in that role and I do think he brings something but clearly he's not a um, natural finisher um, and you certainly need someone who can replicate the way Stewart stretches the game so that's going to be really important and I think it's a similar situation with Greg actually watching him in pre-season I think he looks a lot more comfortable when he's able to drop a little bit deeper and actually link the play a little bit rather than being the one to kind of stretch it and try and kind of run the defenders ragged so um yeah, they, they do need someone of a similar mould to Stuart um, because they don't want to be overly reliant. And to be fair, that is very much the uh, very much the idea. And of course, getting it over the line is the is a is the the key thing now. And we're thinking lawn probably for that area of the pitch. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's certainly what they've been looking at in that area of the pitch. I think obviously it's um, fairly well known that you know Jebison's from Sheffield United is one they've been in for. You know, very athletic by all accounts. Obviously, I've not seen a huge amount of him, but a similar kind of profile to Stuart and the, the things he likes to do. So, um, yeah, I think at the moment, my expectation would be that it would be alone in that part of the pitch, yeah. Okay. Um, what else? So, are we thinking... I know we said that Dan Neil can be a realistic um, alternative to, to Luke or in that position, but we, we've just praised Evans and his performance there. Again, not a lot behind that position, and he's He's got a bit of an in, uh, a bit of a record with injuries, hasn't he? Yeah, Have I just made that up? Has he? Hasn't he? I no, think he has. I think he's had like he had a, a couple. Yeah, he had so a couple of nasty ones, didn't he? I think it's harsh to say that he's injury prone. Okay, fair enough. Contact injuries. I mean, listen, you do need cover. I'm not saying you don't, but I, I think that has been a slightly harsh. Um, yeah, he's had a couple of really nasty contact injuries. To be fair, um, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I seen I seen Neil more of a six. Than an eight, from what I've seen of him, to be honest. Um, that's just my opinion. Um, I think the, I don't know. I, I they might do something in that area of the pitch, but I think the priorities at the moment are two fullbacks. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, that wouldn't be one. You know, I'm just, I'm, I do just mean cover as well. I, I would, I would feel comfortable if they brought somebody in as co- not who they. I know he's saying quality over quantity, but there are a couple of positions where that's probably not going to be the case. And you just feel like you could do some backup just just for, just for Evans there, but you know as you've said, you know, the pri- centre forward has to be one because we only got one option. Yeah, full backs <laughs> goes without saying, doesn't it? Um, and would you would you expect them to look for permanent signings in those positions? Yeah, yeah, per- certainly permanent in those two positions. That's what they've been trying to do. That's what they've been in for. Um, and like I say, I do think they are very active in trying to get another centre half in as well. They they definitely want another centre half. And if they do that, do you think I could see the exit for somebody, Bailey Wright, perhaps? Possibly. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure 
on that one. I think it would certainly um, it could lead to Bailey Wright going, um, but I, I don't I don't think that's like a guaranteed thing. To be honest, I think that Johnson very much likes having him around. Um, you know, he thinks he's a really important leader. I think it's more just a reflection of the fact that Wright's obviously coming in the last year of his contract, and if someone's going to offer him, you know, a longer a long term deal at this stage. Um, it might be something that all parties attempted to go for. Um, but I just think realistically, you look at it at the moment and, you know, you're going to play a very high line this year. We know it's going to be very important to come out from the back, play out from the back. Um, and I just think it's a position that they probably want another player in because obviously there's a lot of unknowns around Zimadjli and what, what his comeback's going to be like and how long it's going to take to him to reach the required level. So they're definitely very, very active for one. I wouldn't be surprised if that led, then led to another one going, but I don't think that's a so I don't think that's set in stone. Yeah, so full backs then. Any idea? A lad from Spurs being linked to the left back. It's one of these ones where it seems too good to be true when you look at this this guy's profile and and the reaction by the Spurs fans, which is often very telling for somebody that age. Um, but some of the some of the prices that have been thrown around would have me questioning that particular aspect of his target. What do you mean? In terms of how much they're, they're suggesting we're gonna we're gonna pay for this guy, like one million plus. Um, they have certainly. I'm not sure in this specific instance, but there have been bids on players at that level this summer. Okay, um, that's good. That's encouraging to know. No, no, they're um, like I say. I'm I'm not convinced um, this particular instance is at that level, but there have absolutely been bids for players of of that level this summer. Um, there is absolutely a willingness to spend fairly significant fees. Um, it's just as of yet that they haven't been able to get it over the line, and that's not me sort of, um, you know, just defending them or whatever. It's just it, it is just a fact from my understanding, not just from speaking to people at the club, but just in the wider game that you know some of them are absolutely in the market for fairly significant fees. It's just that as of yet, those are the deals that they haven't they haven't been able to strike. But that's you know, I, I would expect by the end of the window there'll be a player or two who's come in around that level. Yeah. Okay. Um, and... it's exciting this here, you know, being linked with like, you know, based on what people have said. Obviously, you know nothing about them, never seen them, but their reaction across the board, and it doesn't. It sounds like one of those situations where, you know, the, in an ideal world, he did keep him, but he might just have to move on because he's not gonna, he's not gonna get. There's no pathway for him to, that, to get into that team. Um, just one of those situations. Um, I just worry. I, I have no doubt about that. That they're prepared, reluctantly, let somebody like that go because, like you say, the the blocked pathway. But you just think, if championship clubs, for example, get wind of it, uh, you know, I guess the fee could come into things there, couldn't it? Because well, you, you know, know you we might... know how much of a mess the championship is at the minute. Yeah, but you, you know, the, we don't know what the you know what the messaging's been to that player, or you know. You know, in an ideal world, if he comes here and you say, well, if you come here, you're going to be part of a team that's playing the championship next year. And if you're going to be playing in the championship, do you not want to be playing for Sunderland? I mean, of all the clubs in there, if we were in there, you know, there's probably like five or six clubs. You'd hope the attendance level. of the weekend yeah. helped, helped uh, with the pitch a little bit, wouldn't you? <laughs> Um, I don't know what's going on. Phil, I know you were covering Cardiff before Sunderland and you have seen the championship and how sort of depressing that can be in terms of clubs just up and down the, the league in limbo and you know that being reflected by the crowds. But the, the attendances across the championship the weekend were, were shocking, really. You think we haven't had football for a couple of years and you see some of the crowds there. Like, didn't Stoke get 12,000 or something? Derby got 15,000. Well, Derby apparently haven't sold any season tickets. They haven't put season tickets on sale, I'm sure, read this. Yeah. There's got a massive issue there. So, to be fair, to get 15 in with no season ticket holders is a pretty excellent effort, to be fair. But, I mean, Stoke's a funny one, isn't it, really, when you... You look at them and there was 10,000 in there and they obviously... It was like the... The most intimidating ground in the Premier League and but all that, wasn't that, it? But that was the stalk before those days, though. Yeah. That was always the case, wasn't it? Mm. Like, when I was growing up, Stoke never had a big turnout or anything like that. Mm. I don't like getting bogged down in attendances too no, much because no. it's, it's, you know... But I think it's still worth acknowledging, isn't it, when you get the highest attendance in the in the country because the Premier League wasn't playing, I think, you know... 
it could be a good thing when you're trying to sell players the club. Um, how close to Phil do you think? Right back or left back? The right back names have dried up a little bit. Obviously, you know, sometimes you guys get to find things out in publishing. Sometimes you don't. And sometimes you do find out and decide you're not going to tell us all. Well, I don't, I don't think a huge amount has changed in the right back situation, to be honest, in terms of, you know, you mentioned there the names drying up. I just think maybe the situation with the names hasn't changed yet. Everyone obviously knows that Gabriel, for example, you know, started on Saturday because yeah. Forrest won't have any other right yeah. backs at the moment. So I'm not sure that's the case of it drying up. I think it's just a situation that's not really changed. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, the. Yeah, we we will see. I think it's a it's going to be a big few weeks, isn't it? Like I say, I you know I, I've had probably more. Um, I don't know what the word is. If optimistic is quite the right word, but you know more sort of optimism than I think some people may have had over the course of the summer. Just because, like I say, I've been reassured from what I've not in the club in the game who have sort of stressed that some of the very much seen as a very ambitious club in the market this summer, and that you know I think. You know, that has been encouragement in terms of it's beginning to be seen as quite an attractive destination, especially for these young Premier League players, because they're starting to have a bit of a coherent kind of style of play as well. But, you know, there's no doubt that there is a lot of work to, do, to be done and getting these deals over the line, because as of yet, that hasn't really happened yet. So I remain broadly optimistic, but obviously, you know, it's it's a big, big few weeks, no doubt about it. Yeah, it'd be good to get them in, though, while, while we're winning games, Mar as a fail could factor make such a massive difference, doesn't it? Because there's less pressure on those players than to say, right, now we've got the new players in, you're going to change our fortunes around if results don't go, stalk on your way. That's why I think it was a huge result for us the weekend. Uh, what do we think about Port Vale then? Because, uh, you know, we, we've acknowledged that while we've said, and we've been saying all summer, the starting 11 looks okay, but there's not much behind it. Um, so you would imagine he's going to preserve as many of those starters from the weekend as possible, wouldn't you? Yeah, he's been pretty clear. I think we some quotes up in the morning saying everything this year will be geared towards league success. Um, you know, I, th- I think that was the case last year anyway, to be fair, but certainly that's going to be the case this year. I think we'll see Hawks, um, Younger, Kenton Richardson, maybe a lot of these, a lot of these guys coming in tomorrow. Who's going to play up front? Uh, Greg and O'Brien. Yeah, forget about Greg. Even though we have already sport room. Um, what about um, Pritchard? What, what's his sort of situation at the moment? I'd be, personally, I'd be surprised if he started. Um, but I think he'll be involved. I think we'll see him make his debut. Yeah, yeah he'll, have, he'll, have to, he'll have to play some of the game, won't he? Yeah, I think so. I think so. And Patterson in goal? Yeah, Patterson in goal. I would strongly expect, yeah. Burge again at the weekend. Sorry, not shot straight at him, being palmed back out in the middle of the box twice. I don't know. I'm not. (laughs) You're not having him. Let's not talk about it. No, why? I don't want to get. I don't want to hear. People around the house with the pitchforks. Like, I'll have gone clear and the Scientologist still be around. Like what? Watching us, intimidating us, putting things, pictures of Lee Bird through the letterbox, and that. Um, no, I just I don't know. Like, well, you know, let's. The first, know. I know the the second effort had a bit of wobble on it, but you know, if there's a striker coming in on that, like both times, he's like the shot straight at him. He's like fifth straight back in the middle of the penalty area. It's not. So like he does good things, and then like the bit like he fails on the basics. That's the that's the annoying thing. That's the yeah. that's the annoying thing. He does like he makes some saves he shouldn't make and does some really good things and then fails to like catch a ball, lets one through his legs, or punches the ball in the middle of the box. But yeah, I don't want to like end on a, a negative because he, you know, I'm sure he's. I know like Craig's pro- probably made the point. He is probably broadly fine for this level. Well, that, that is, is I'm but... with you when you watch him and you, you take it at face value. You you think, oh, I don't trust this guy as much. But then you just try and look at the other keepers on display yeah. and, and just remember where you are in in yeah. in, in terms of the football pyramid, yeah. and it probably is one of the better ones in the league. So yeah, it is frustrating. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you what, as well, just to finish as well, um, people get themselves far too worked up about ex-players getting booed um, or celebrating goals in the score as well. It's like, you know, adds to the pantomime you'd boo an ex-player. Don't read too much into it. And don't read too much into the fact that Max Powell celebrates a goal. He's playing for a club 
he's allowed to celebrate a goal. Well, he's played for them before as well, and well, he's just come back. And... Unless you're an absolute club legend and you've just gone back, I can understand that. But bloody hell, man. This was never a thing when we were kids. Just no. why shouldn't he celebrate a goal? I mean, all as well in the warm-up, when they were, they were taking... They were doing a shooting practice right in front of us, and he was getting some stick. They were all, but it was like it's pantomime. It wasn't was. It? it wasn't like nasty. It was just like you know. I think like Power was taking it in like good nature. The keeper I thought was a bit pathetic. I don't know how I feel if I was white. He was just letting in all those shots on purpose. He wasn't even diving for them, so it was obviously like, oh, I can't, like, to it. he can't just, miss. Yeah. I was thinking if I was white, I'd be thinking, do you not, th- do you not fancy to score? Like, just adds to it. But, just um, adds to it. He, White didn't seem to be enjoying it that, that yeah, much. He didn't. Fair. No, and um, Jones looked particularly rattled when he came on. I think with yeah, the I reaction think, did this job. Yeah. I mean, did he's a bit of a. Um, I think he's yeah. you know a bit of a a bit of a one to be fair. But yeah. you know, power I think was t- took it in the nature it was intended, and I mean he's fighting for them, and like he was doing what he used to do for us, where he used to you know mm. fight, just fight, just fight the fight the corner for the team he's playing for and like behind the referee's face and all yeah. that kind of thing and like that's that's the game like yeah not a problem at all like booing, the booing is fine and the and the, this player celebrating the goal is fine booing former players barbaric <laughs> but, but alluring nonetheless anyway white jettison in the next week yeah via booing via Stuart, the warrior vindicated right yeah. okay um as always thanks for listening <laughs> ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.